Hey everyone, welcome back to Stories from the Influencer Economy. I'm back in the lab. This is Ryan Williams. This podcast is a laboratory where I speak with creative people, entrepreneurs, and YouTube creators from around the world, asking them how they launched their idea and shared it to the world. I'm so thrilled to be coming to you this week from Washington, D.C. I'm on my book tour. Many of you know I've launched the Influencer Economy book. It's available on Amazon. You can go to InfluencerEconomyBook.com, and it's all about how to launch your idea, share it with the world, and thriving in the digital age. I have a tour date if you are in Washington, D.C. I hope to see you there. We'll be at General Assembly downtown in Washington. I'm also thrilled that everyone came out Monday. I went to San Francisco for the book tour. I was able to see my brothers, my sisters-in-laws, friends from college, from the podcast community. I'm grateful that everyone came out for that show. I'll be posting that video very soon online. want to thank everyone from the bottom of my heart for supporting me. This tour has been awesome between L.A. to D.C. Uh, with San Francisco in between. I'm thrilled. I'll be going to New York City uh, July 12th and in Durham, North Carolina, July 13th as well. So you want me to come to your town, hit me up, and I would love to uh, hear from you. Go to InfluencerEconomy.com with all the information about past podcast guests with Seth Godin, Brad Feld, who are big investors and tech writers, also Troy Carter, who's in the book, Anthony Soleil, a whole cattlecade of folks have been on this show. And if you're listening on iTunes, please hit the subscribe button and leave a review. I would be forever grateful and my guest this week is Brett Bushnell. He is the founder of Two Bit Circus. I interviewed him back in Los Angeles. It's an educational high tech company that focuses on not only technology and education, but giving hands on experience to people to help them become makers and creators and builders and inventors and empowering people through entertainment and technology along with educational storytelling. Super excited. Brett was a great, great guest. Without further ado, Brett Bushnell at my book launch event as my brother. Brent Bushnell, welcome. How you doing? Oh, man, I'm great. When you go to a party or you're traveling, people ask you what you do, <laughs> which is a common question. What do you say? Uh, I say I run a high-tech circus. <laughs> we build big games with lasers and fire and robots and uh, do huge events. And what kind of reactions do you get from people? Uh, there's two reactions. Um, I, and, and for me, it's the test of whether they're paying attention. Uh, because if they are not paying attention, they'll just be like, oh. And if they are, they sort, their eyes sort of go wide, and they look at me, and they're like, wait, what does that even mean? <laughs> and I'll be like, well, we're kind of like Cirque du Soleil for games. Uh, you know, rooms of laser beams, walls of buttons, uh, fireball dunk tanks. We basically, my co-founder and I got frustrated with out-of-home entertainment, and so we started getting, you know, modern technology, applying that to new ways of fun and getting people to play together, and, and uh, we've been running at that ever since. And so you say it's Cirque du Soleil and what? Cirque du Soleil for games. And do you feel like you have to translate it to people that have no concept of it? Yeah, well, you know, it, you know, innovation is sort of a weird thing because you it sort of by definition doesn't exist yet. And so you can't be like, oh, yeah, we're just you, you have to sort of do it by analogy, sort of like we're like this thing, but with laser beams. We are a movie theater, but that's interactive where, you know, you sort of want to the Uber for the Uber, dog washing Uber for poodles. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. You want to be able to t start with in places where people n understand to get them to where we are. And so when you talk about uh, 
which is jumping into the Steam Carnival, which yeah. I think is awesome. Well, so what, what happened was is we'd done hundreds of other people's events, right? We were just, Eric and I at first, we were just making interactive games and taking them to parties and events. Um, what do you mean by interactive games? So it, uh, the first one we ever did was a, was a whiteboard that we pointed a camera and a projector at. And you would draw on the, cam- on, the, on the whiteboard, and then the camera would pick up what you were drawing, and the projector projected a physics simulation that would bounce off of what you were drawing. Fun, little, weird, yeah. interactive. Uh, and then we have another one that's like an arcade con- console that's basically like six players all around a screen with th- trackballs playing really simple games. And so we would take that stuff to parties just for fun. Like you with know, buddies on the weekend. Friends, and you know, there was like a sort of a TED conference meets a cocktail party happening in downtown LA called Mindshare. So we'd do that kind of oh, stuff. Oh, yeah, I've been to that. And then people would, you know, brands started calling saying, hey, would you do that? You know, Microsoft was like, would you do our E3 party? You know, uh, uh, would you, you know, my Amazon said, hey, would you do our holiday party of 5,000 people? So we just became, you know, the, the sort of high tech entertainers. Would you call it like an installation? <laughs> They were, yeah, activations, installations. You know, Feels we'd like bring, an artistic you know, for five thousand people at Amazon's holiday party, we'd bring you know two thousand square feet of games. You know, and and so lots of different stuff. Some games are ten people, some are twenty, some are two. Uh, but we'd bring you know a big truck full of that stuff and get people playing together in fun ways. And so you're all about collaboration. Yeah, getting things. people off their screens. You know, you're looking people in the eyes. You know, our, our arcade cabinet is six players by design. People come to parties usually with a friend or maybe a couple, but not six. So six kind of guarantees you're meeting somebody new. Interesting. Um, and so what? Uh, getting back to the carnival, what happened was is we'd done all these other people's parties and we finally said like, hey, we've done, you know, why don't we do our own event? And you've had, biz- but you built a business. We built a business on that, yeah. Separately. Yeah. So you had some runway, some income, revenue yeah. coming in that you didn't have to rely on just the startup mentality, you could... Yeah, we were, I mean, we were basically cash flowing with That's great. existing stuff. And then, you know, we were also, we're still sort of taking on some other branded projects. So we were doing, you know, big, uh, sort of like imagineering for other companies. We would do entertainment consulting. And, and we would then plow that, that, those profits back into our own stuff. And, and so, what is this theme carnival? So the carnival is a... A traveling event. It's one half all of our high-tech games, so all that stuff. Rooms of laser beams, walls of buttons, all that. Uh, and then a whole bunch of hands-on projects so kids can make their own games. And so we basically give them the tools to be able, you know, we pull back the curtain on what we made and we give them the tools to make their own stuff. We say, see, you can do this too. And so it's uh, it's a traveling solution to bring that around and we're, uh, uh, we're going migra- to migrate that into our own permanent facility. Oh, you are? Yeah. So we talk about 2-Bit Circus who is the audience for this? Well, so that's a great question. Uh, and then you think about some of the older school games, Pong and Asteroids. And, and your dad and started Atari. Yeah, he so did. So Pong yeah. was invented by... He, yeah, he was... He, uh, uh, your dad. Uh, Al Gordon, they created that thing. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and so, you know, I mean, I grew up in the entertainment industry and, and spent a lot of time around it all and going to IAPA, the big amusement park trade show. And, you know, and, and it hasn't... You know, a lot of that stuff hasn't changed in a long time. It's using a lot of the old school tech. And meanwhile, computer vision and cheap sensors and all this other stuff was coming out. And Eric and I are both engineers. And so we said, you know, how can we find new ways for people to play with all and this? And who's stuff? Eric? Uh, my co-founder, okay. Eric Gradman. Okay. How'd you all meet? We met at basically like a nerd drinking club. Oh, nice. <laughs> it was in downtown LA and we'd all get together and just share projects we were working on. And Eric and I, the first night we were like, dude, we should go build this thing, you know? And uh-huh. we stayed up until four in the morning building. So can you, can you just describe to people listening that haven't seen 2-Bit Circus in action and at the Steam Carnival. Yeah. And actually what Steam is, for those yeah. that don't know. Okay, well, so, so we got excited about the term Steam because there's, there's this term that's been floating around called STEM, science, technology, engineering, and math. And usually, you know, it's an educator or a policymaker or a company executive saying, we need more STEM-trained kids. 
kids don't like studying math and engineering. But meanwhile, we have a t an, a, a, an environment and a culture that needs lots of those engineers in order to build all this crazy tech stuff that we have. So how do we make STEM more exciting, more enticing, more desirable? And But it's kind of got a branding problem, right? People associate engineering with nerds. Right. And so we wanted to say, hey, we're nerds, but we're having a blast. We yeah. get to build lasers and fire and robots all day. Like, this stuff is freaking awesome. <laughs> and so we felt like STEAM captured that better. STEM plus art, right? You bring in the art and the creativity. Science, tech, engineering, art. art and math. Okay. And so now Did it's you like, all coin that? Term. We didn't coin it. Um, the, the first time that came out was Harvey White from Qualcomm wrote sort of a response paper to when STEM was first announced. And he said, hey, STEM's okay, but, but really engineering and, and this stuff is a very creative discipline. You should include the arts. And, the, the, it, the, you know, the, it didn't really get a lot of traction. This was sort of 2007, 2008, until John Maida from RISD, he was the president of RISD at the time, started to really talk about STEAM, saying, hey, STEM is okay, STEAM is much more awesome. Uh, and so then when we went to launch, we really cabbaged onto that and said, we're going we're gonna to call ourselves a STEAM carnival. So we're in the office now, and it looks like... Uh a laboratory from like the Mad Hatter's house in Alice in Wonderland. <laughs> so we're in an old power plant in downtown Los Angeles. This is an old Edison power plant. As you can see, we have 50 foot ceilings, yeah. five zero. It just goes straight up three floors. Um, it's and like so, a machine shop. And yeah, it's one half uh, desks for programmers and artists and fingers typing. And the back is a proper workshop. Uh, we're prototype engineers. We'll build all the first versions here. We can work in wood, metal, electronics. We got our own board mill. We just got a four axis CNC uh Mill. We have a router table. We got some. This big, is like a foreign language. Big tools. But you're excited about it. Lots of big tools. I, I love, love it. Them. If you oh can see God. him right now, he's yeah. like smiling ear to ear about all these tools <laughs> and the five zero yeah. ceilings. Well, Eric and I used to joke that even if we had a billion dollars, the only thing that would be different is we'd probably have a bigger workshop. Yeah. <laughs> Same fundamentals. Same fundamentals. All the stuff. We just do more stuff. So when you walk around the Steam Carnival, what's it like? So it's broken into a few different domains. There's and how can big, people learn while they're there? So there's the, so first there's the big arcade, right? And the arcade is a ton of fun, play lots of games, right? 20 people games, six person games, but there's little uh, uh, posters next to everything sort of peeling back how all the stuff was made. Next to that is a bunch of workshops and the workshops are cover all the STEAM disciplines. And really what we're focused on are creating inventors. Now, what do inventors know how to do? They know how to work with programming and electronics and design and creativity and fabrication and tool use. And so if we can cover all of those things, you can basically build everything in this room. And so we then have workshops dedicated to each of those domains so that people can get their hands dirty with you know, th th those tools. And, and, and they often echo the games they just played. So we kind of pull back the curtain and say, hey, you can make this too. Look, it's pretty easy. And, uh, and then there's, uh, so there's those two zones, the, the arcade area, the workshop area, and then there's the big stage. And on the stage, we have a blend of high-tech circus and traditional circus. So when I say high-tech, I mean like Tesla coils and people getting struck by 100,000 volts of electricity, uh, a fireball. Just getting sh sh shot. Like shocked, like you're watching lightning on stage. Oh, and wow. the person doesn't die getting struck in the head Oh, because they're protected by because the... Because they're wearing what's called a Faraday's <laughs> okay. cage. And Faraday's cage is based on an all-metal suit, and the, the electricity takes the fastest path to the ground, which happens to be not through your heart. <laughs> okay, so yeah. I'm, I was envisioning like... Someone getting shocked with their head flying, oh, yeah. their hair going no, off, they actually their, can't their feel scalp. It. They can't feel it at all. So it's got yeah. the spectacle element. So a big spectacle element, but using science, so the spectacle sides of science. Uh, we have a fireball dunk tank. Remember when you, the old dunk tank at the carnival, yeah. you throw a ball and you fall in right. water? We were like, water's okay. Fire is way more awesome. And so uh, you, <laughs> <laughs> you literally get immersed in a fireball, a 10-foot fireball. Fire is more awesome. Uh, but you don't die because you're wearing a fire suit. 
And these are people that you are professionals that do uh, all this. We have. It depends on the venue. Uh, certain venues, like like government-owned venues, it has to be our staff. But at the Kansas City Maker Fair, we were the main event, and we put the public through that. That's awesome. Yeah. So then, let's get back to the learning part. Yep. You mentioned that was a key element with the workshops. Yep. So why is it important for people to become inventors? So we, you look at, there, there was an interesting graph. I love the Kurzweil AI newsletter. And there was a great uh, uh, couple of studies in that uh, not, uh, a couple of months ago. Who, and, and can you just explain that? Uh, uh, Ray Kurzweil, incredible inventor. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, has really done, you know, uh, 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 all sorts of wonderful innovations from the synthesizer to whatnot. Um, and, and has really, uh, you know, now focused on AI and, and longevity he have a research. And uh, they have a, the Singularity Sing- University up in Northern California. Yes. He's a part of, which is an incredible, like, like, like invention academy, uh, futuristic academy. And, um, the, in this in this newsletter, they had a couple of studies, and it basically showed that like on just about every measure, humans are crushing it. Right? We are just doing great. We, oh, as uh, you know, looking back over the last few millennia, we are living longer. Yeah. We are m- more people are safer. We're you know have better quality of life on just about every index. Contrary, uh, you know, uh, on the other end, you look at graphs of uh, the planet. On just about every index, things are screwed. Right. Like water tables are nasty. Yeah. Air quality, ice, everything's fucked. So you've got these two inverted curves, right? Humans are awesome. Our environment's screwed. So there's no shortage of hard problems. And frankly, no shortage of, like, humans, like, capable humans. But what we do have a shortage of are, like, inspired Cap, you know, tool-capable, invention-capable humans to go out and solve those hard problems. And so for us, you know, if right now STEM and engineering has a branding problem, we need to, you know, we need to convert more people into that domain. And, and the kids who already are excited about science and engineering, they've won, right? And there are a million awesome programs that they go do, from U.S. First Robotics to Maker Faire. I mean, oh, my God, I'm so jealous of kids who are, like, 14 Today and can go and be versus, inventors, yeah. right? Because there's so much cool stuff. Right. But if you're not excited about that stuff, it's kind of like a desert. And so we want to basically say, hey, start somewhere they like. Start with something awesome, music, fashion, games, a carnival, as, as, as the launch pad to get them thinking, hey, I can do this too. This isn't that hard. Because frankly, it's not that hard. It used to be really hard, right? I studied computer science. Assembly programming and programming in the 90s and the 80s was terrible. You know that you can do it in pictures on your iPad now? Right. I mean, it's like your six-year-old can do it. So it's, it, you know, we've got this perfect storm of needing it badly. The tools are easier than they've ever been. We just need people to like be aware. So what I, it struck me is, I get frustrated because a lot of people that I, I follow online that are in marketing, they feel like young people are entitled. Like they come out of college or they come out, they go to school and they feel like, I need a job, I'm supposed to get a job. But I feel like a lot of young people are more inspired than people from our generation. I'm in my late 30s. Oh, yeah. Because they can actually take things and by the bull by the horn and make stuff. And that becomes who you are. And I, I have a podcast. You can search me in Google. You can find what I, I'm all about, right? Yep. You get my point of view. Yep. But you're talking about physically inventing things. Is that correct? Yes. yes. And how is that different than the online creators that are out there now? So I love online creation, right? My background software. Software scales infinitely for free. You can make one million copies. It doesn't cost you anything. Uh, but but I think we got carried away with the success of the internet and whatnot that that all of the great innovations are going to be apps and that's just not the case right because there's some things you can't solve with apps right right you need other stuff and and you know and and this, a lot of the same advances that have that have driven the accessibility of apps and the capacity for you to do cloud services and all that awesome stuff has also 
evolved desktop manufacturing, right? The things, the tools that used to be really hard to use, laser cutters, CNC, you know, electronics, mills, uh, CNC router tables, all those things used to be much more difficult than they right, are now. And right. so operating those tools is easier than it's ever been. So you can now program the world much like you could program an app so that you can you know, use some of those same um, incredible software tools to make a new kind of water filter, make a new kind of uh, 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 tool-changing device, whatever your problem is. Oh, you're, you are focused on water tables or, or uh, uh, coral protection, right? Like there's going to be some tools that are going to help you facilitate testing and making hypotheses. And so what's something exciting you've seen from someone who's come to one of your 2-Bit Circus events and you're, you see them or you talk to them later and they're like, I made this thing. Oh, my God. So I met these kids at Maker Faire uh, who had this really and cool... Explain what Maker Faire is. Uh, Maker Faire is a really fun celebration of people who make stuff. And, and they will take over huge you know, festival grounds and everybody will p- descend on this grounds with a bunch of their projects. And you'll have one person who's got like the most amazing Lego collection and recreated all of downtown Manhattan in like you know five huge four by eight pieces of wood. Another person brought their like model train set. Another person built like a whack-a-mole with life-size, you know, with it's, people. It's outside. Yeah. Another person had like a walking dinosaur that breathes fire, right? Everybody just who is a crazy, passionate creator, like builds that brings their stuff and shows it off. Okay. Super fun. And really so you, fun. You were there and you saw someone. And I saw some kids who had these like acrylic mazes, these little like 3D acrylic mazes. You could like turn them around and like navigate a ball through a maze. And I was like, you guys, this is super awesome. What do you think we make a big one? And so they like got all excited and then went home. <laughs> I showed them the carnival. They made a huge version, like massive, like probably five feet wide in every direction, mounted on a huge, like like perfectly balanced uh, uh, rig that you could move it around. They brought it to the carnival and everybody loved it. So how do you learn to become an inventor? Is it something that we're born with or something we can acquire? I think it's something we acquire and cultivate. I think humans were really naturally creative and our school system kind of beats it out of us uh, in a very you know, heart-wrenching and terrible method process that yeah. we've totally optimized. Right, right. <laughs> uh, and uh, <laughs> and that what we need to now do is sort of unwind that and, and the tools, the accessibility of the tools makes it all the easier um, to start to embrace and play and, 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 and build stuff. You know, I mean, the, the, the thing is to not, like, get too much in your head about it. Like, just start doing stuff. I, I had this fun experience with our lead engineer and I was like, damn, would you teach me how to weld? And he was like, Sure. What do you want to weld? <laughs> it's like, ooh, good question. Yeah, you know, it's just like make pick something. something. Just make something. Yeah, you know, and it doesn't have to be perfect. You don't have to think about it for a year. Like, just pick up some stuff and be like, oh, do I need a new side table now? Like, maybe, maybe not. Maybe mm. make something for your girlfriend. Whatever. Like, just make something this weekend. You and, know, and something yeah. physical. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because to, you know, it's it's great to learn no programming and make an app, but also physical stuff's awesome, and using your hands is awesome, and fa- and and frankly. You know, we've made tons of apps, but it's really fun to have something physical that you made. My dining, I made my dining table. Every time right. we go to eat, right. I'm like, yeah, I made this. What's so interesting here, so I am, you know, my book is done. I'm publishing it in June. Congratulations. And I built, the podcast was a vehicle to talk to people for the book. Yeah. And to workshop my ideas. Awesome. I built this, this community bubbled up from it. Great. Which has been inspiring. And what you're saying is exactly like, I just started making it. Yeah. I started doing it. Yeah. But the purpose, that was the key. Neat. And I feel like a lot of people ask me for advice about making stuff, like yeah. whether it's a book. It's like, you got to find that purpose. Totally. And it's like, you need a big vision yep. that you geek out about yep. to, to actually make yourself do it. Totally. It's so easy to fall off. But you know what? I would say that you, 
it can even be incapacitating to think about what the vision is, right? You might not oh, know. Oh, yeah, it's, it's paralyzing. Know, and it's paralyzing. And for Eric and I, we didn't know that we wanted to, like, go start a circus. We just were like, hey, let's just build a thing. Like, we got this cool camera. Like, why don't we put it on the wall? You know, and, and that was the first one. And, the, and it evolved. The <laughs> yeah, exactly. The purpose and the mission and making the something evolved. And it was only and that's in the, response. Is that the creativity you're talking about we don't have in school? Yeah. Where you, just, you, just get going. you can't make stuff and it, it may suck. It may, you may fail at it. But that's But it's great. not a failure. It's, it's not a failure. It's actually I, better than not doing it. Yeah, I hate that we have F for fail in school because and, and that's like a black mark. No, failure's rad. Yeah. The second you fail, that yeah. means you've been like out there trying and that's fantastic. Why do you think we are obsessed with rating people like that? Because we wanted something that we could like chunk down for the industrial era world. Right? Like our school system is not that old, right? It's pretty recent. Like yeah. this, this model, this style has been around like a hundred years. Right. We, do, we did not, we've not always learned that way. In fact, it's not the most optimal way to learn either. You know, 30 people, it's like, it just happened to be if, like, like, if, like, efficient, not optimal. And so, uh, you know, it's much better to learn like hands-on, project-based, solving a real problem. That's right. much more the way the real world is right. once you're out of school. How can we Which almost that? now, like when you interview for jobs, you get a project. And yeah. I feel like that's a better way to summarize someone than like meeting you for 20 minutes. Totally. And, and interviewing like six people at the company. Oh my God, dude. Imagine how much better, rather than showing someone a freaking set of your grades and your GPA by the time you were done with school, yeah. you showed a portfolio. I've done this, You this, had and all this. the stuff. These are all the things. I made a stair-safe baby walker. Yeah. And I made a freaking machine that makes it so people don't fall asleep when they're truck driving. And, you know, this painting. Right. And so now with this do-it-yourself, like making stuff, like how do you... How do you learn like where to find these types of avenues? Because you're creating a forum for people or the Maker Fair, but if you're living in Des Moines, Iowa, yep, where yep. I spent the first 15 years of my life, yeah. so there's a few threads. First of all, there's no shortage of hard problems like we talked about. Earlier. Yeah, what and are some hard problems? Can you use an example? Really well documented. In fact, if you go and look, there are the the grand engineering challenges. Um, oh, cool. Uh, which is a, a, a list, a published oh, list no way. you can find. Uh, the UN has, a set, has identified a set of their uh, uh, most important challenges. There's, a, there's that list. And then another list that's worth checking out is um, uh, Paul Graham and Y Combinator right. has a request for startups. Oh, no way. And Google that, Y Combinator's request for startups. We can put all these in the links. Yeah, beautiful. And, and each one of these things is really incredible because... It sort of takes the guesswork out, right? I, I love mentoring kids in entrepreneurship and teaching them how to be things. But one thing that's super frustrating to me is I'll go and I'll judge an entrepreneurship competition and it'll be like a lot of apps. And one of them is like candy delivery. Right. And I'm like, that is a dumb idea. Or, for, or find, finding your friends at concerts. Yeah. I go to Coachella right. and I want to find my buddies. Yeah. And it's like, okay, maybe there's and they're a never gonna market make it. for this and maybe it'll work. It's but almost like, like frankly, they just pitch to pitch. They just are try it's like they're trying to make a buck and that's yeah. clear. And I think if yeah. your motivation is to try to make a buck, you're doing it wrong. Right. You know, because really that's should that'll come with you doing something awesome. Like I would say ninety nine percent of the people I've interviewed and I have said they have a curiosity by nature or they have a scratch to it, it, uh, it's a scratch. scratch. Yeah. And they have something that they are just... That they are like miffed about the world. Like, like yeah, I want to figure this out better. I want this to be different. And then that little thing that they have turns into something in a couple years. Yes. And it's totally. not just... It's not, not instantaneous. Just how can I, you don't start with, how can I make money? No. no wrong way. Right. Right? It's like, what am I... What do I want to see So don't quit your day job just to do this thing. Yeah. Give yourself like enough runway to actually pursue it. Yes. And do it the right way. Yes. So you're not pressured by the external... External forces ways. of being able to provide food for yourself and all yeah. that. Like, let it... And in fact, in that beginning, those moments, earliest moments of innovation and building are the, the most fluid and take the yeah. longest and really right. need to be throwing a bunch of stuff against oh the wall. Eric and I were doing this nights and weekends for, for two years before it ever became Did you a have a day thing. job? That's yeah. the business of yeah. throwing parties for Amazon. And exactly. Exactly. And that's cool though because you could at least 
test, jump around, iterate. and like you could do minimum viable products. Yes, you know, the MVPs for ideas, and exactly right. And you, so, it, 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 and 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 in that sort of kiln, out of that kiln, you get this opportunity to sort of test and and uh, go, you know iterate, which is really powerful. And so now you uh, you raised some outside capital. Yeah. So we, you know, it was interesting when we first started this project. We had. Not a, Which not terrifies a clear enough idea. A lot of people. God, dude, it's a wild process. I mean, and the, and it takes a long time. You know, way so much longer, five x longer than you think it'll take when you go to raise money. Right? Just count on that. So much longer than you think. Uh, but what what happened was is we when we first started the company, we knew the sort of general direction we wanted to go, but not enough that we could like have a deck and go to an investor and say, invest in us, it's gonna be great. Right. You know, and so it took that iterating. You're and not software. You know, we're not we weren't software things that, that were exact established models they knew about. So we had to build the stuff and that was where the consulting work and, and being able to explore that way. So we just cash flowed for the first few years and, and we're a profitable company, grew to twenty people. Um, and then by then we'd, we'd taken some of those profits, invested in our own stuff, and now we could finally go talk to investors. We knew the things we wanted to build and we could now go to and talk to investors and say, for A, we've been successful, right? We're running company, we've done stuff for the NFL. Why'd you, why'd you need the money? To grow faster and bigger. To accelerate quicker. Accelerate. And we have saw you been? opportunity. Oh man, yeah, it's been an awesome, awesome ride ever since. How do you find the investors that believe in you? Okay, so this is critical. Absolutely critical, and I love our investors. Techstars Ventures, Mark Salon, uh, oh, nice. uh, uh, Foundry Group, uh, Ryan McIntyre. Oh, nice. Uh, I had Brad Capital. Feld on the podcast. You had Brad Feld. I love that guy. Yeah, he's, he's amazing. Great. He's been down to our shop. He sat right where you're sitting. Oh, nice. Um, and uh, really is a, is a wonderful guy. That whole team. Yeah. And what happened was I just love them as partners, as friends. You know, when we just had our board meeting last week, we were all at my place sitting around the table, and I was like, this is really exciting. I want to build stuff with these people. Like, we have mutual respect. And, you know, I had the best advice given to me when I first started raising money and the person was like, okay, you're, imagine when you sit down with a new investor, a new potential investor, imagine it's 8 a.m. Saturday morning and this person is calling you. Right. You know, how does that make you feel? Do you want to pick yeah. up that phone? And, yeah. and that's really the truth because you will. That's a great two, way to think about it. There's two phases to it. Are going to annoy the hell out of me? Yeah. Or, or am, am I, I going to be like energized? Like energized. And, and there really are these two phases to, to fundraising. The time when you're walking around with a hat saying, please give me money, right? Yeah. And then the second that happens, you convert into second, the second phase where they're coming after you saying, what are you doing with my money, right? And during that moment, you want to be really happy with who they are and, and, and spending time with them. Because they'll ask you what you're doing with the money. Yeah, man. They want to know you, what you're doing you with their millions them. of dollars. You yeah. owe it to them. You, in fact, have <laughs> a fiduciary responsibility to them, right? right? I mean, there are real, there's both ethical and moral How does that change your, your reasons? Your, uh, Urgency. It, it, you know, it, it, it is a wonderful lens through which to look at the world because you start to really look for levers and ways to add scale and efficacy and, you know, it, and you are uh, more judicious, you know, and yeah, I mean, we've been really, it, it was, it really, we, we grew up as a company, frankly. Cool. Yeah. We have to, we're going to do this again. Dude, I would love this to. This is awesome. It would be great. Ryan, thank you so much. I think in fact, we, and i got to say, I'm such a fan of your podcast. I've been listening to it since before you and I ever connected. It's oh, really that's exciting. awesome. Yeah. yeah. And we will do this again and get into everything else. I would love it. And and in fact, we have. I can't wait to share with you what's coming. The next 18 months are going to be And maybe we, so. you can come on when we, uh, you have a bigger event that we can talk about. Yeah, beautiful. Le leading beautiful. up to it. Yes, yes. we got a few. And uh, Yes, I would love it. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thanks again, everyone who's been coming out to the tour stops. I've, it's been remarkable. I've met podcast listeners um, with the Influencer Economy book tour. 
that I'm going on right now. So thank you from the bottom of my heart. Um, also, Brett Bushnell was a fantastic guest, super inspiring guy about making and building stuff and empowering people to become inventors. Definitely check him out at 2-Bit Circus. Uh, you'll thank me later. They do a lot of live events and installations that you can hire him for as well. So, uh, yeah, my parents are in D.C. tonight, and they're going to come out to my event, as are my daughters and my wife. So it will be a family affair if you're in the district. I hope to see you. And uh, I'll be in New York on July 12th and Durham, North Carolina on the 13th. So, yeah, this is going to go global. I'm hoping to open it up to Canada and do a lot of touring in the fall, corporate events with trainings so I can pay my bills around the tours. So I'll be going to a lot of different companies across the U.S. to help train them about you know, with HR departments working to build influencers in your organization, to hire influencers, to turn your employees into influencers. Also have some work uh, cl- connecting people to millennials and how to hire millennials and bring them onto your team. So I'm building out a whole coursework. I'm also looking uh, uh, working on the influencer economy uh, course. So if you're interested in any of these activities, want to be a part of it to participate, Ryan at InfluencerEconomy.com. And good evening, wherever you are. Hope you have a fantastic day, morning, or night.